Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Father, we come to you this morning in gratitude and thankfulness, Lord. Father, and as we just were singing, we come before you with our hands lifted high, Lord. That's a sign of surrender. Lord, surrender in the midst of our busyness. Surrender in the midst of our chaos. Surrender in the midst of our work. Lord, we come to you and we lay it at your feet. Lord, more often than not, we have no idea what we're doing. What to do, what to say. But you do, Lord. Father, we come to you asking for wisdom, asking for guidance, asking for rest. And we surrender, Lord. Father, I pray that as your word said, you would send us the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, Lord. And I would pray that it's not just mere words that we hear this morning, but that through your word and through the voice and power of the Holy Spirit, our eyes and ears would be open to hear and receive your word that we might be transformed again and again and again, more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 You may be seated. We are so glad that you're with us this morning for worship. Also, those joining us online. Well, as most of you probably are aware, if you're not, I don't don't know where you've been in Lampasas, but this week was spring ho. Uh, I remember when we first came, that's that's one of the memories that stands out in Candy's memory is before we'd ever come to Lampasas, it was uh, like the week or two before, it was spring ho week. And we were getting prepared to move here, and uh, Candy had called, uh, or was talking to Connie on the phone, and she said, we're getting ready for spring ho, and she was like, spring what? Um, <laughs> and so uh, anyone who is involved in that, I would say, you know, we're, we're resuming this Rest of God series this morning, and anybody who is involved in that, I know needs some rest this morning. Uh, I also just want to take a quick moment, and I know I'm, there's probably others that we'll miss, but I'm just aware of a few uh, of our uh, young adults and kiddos that, that had some really high achievements during this spring hoe, and I just want to take a moment to acknowledge them. Our very own Meredith Macbeth, uh, Amanda Allen's daughter, was Miss Spring Ho. Um, they were in their first service, now they're helping back there with kids. Um, Allison Martin was first runner-up, and they were also in the first service. Um, and then I had almost forgot, but I saw little Miss Wren McCarvel here. She was the diaper derby winner. Um, I saw, yeah, I saw that picture online. I mean, she was fierce. There's this one picture of just like, oh, she's, she's giving it all she's got. Um, and then I didn't, uh, I know one of the Seymours and Thomas has won the build your own cardboard boat race, right? Who, which two was it? Reagan and Sophia. Okay, so we have the cardboard boat derby winners too. So like I said, I'm sure there's others too, but if you see any of those kiddos that are parents, just congratulate them. I know uh, they're all ready to finish this week up, and there's actually still some more activities this afternoon that, that I know some of them are going to be part of, but we owe in our um, NCC Kid Float one second place. Um, yeah, so that was cool. That was cool too. So yeah, we just were all over the place in, in Spring Ho this year. Well, this morning, like I said, we're, we're resuming this series on the rest of God. Two weeks ago, we looked at how our view of work affects our view of rest. And three weeks ago, we looked at the rest God intended for us to participate with him in. And how it is such a foreign concept for us today. 
My prayer for this morning's message is that it will help us get a new perspective on time and God's intended rest for us. God created the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. He did this as an example for us, and later made it very clear that we needed to follow his example. He even made it one of the Ten Commandments, if we had any questions about it. If you want more detail on it, again, if you missed that first message, I really uh, spoke a lot more on it in that, uh, in that message, and you can listen to it online. But again, I just want to remind us what this word Sabbath means, because it's not common to us today. And that word Sabbath is referring to a 24-hour period of rest. This observed period of time uh, for the nation of Israel has always been from sunset on Friday through sunset on Saturday. Candy and I, in 2019, had the blessing of being able to travel to Israel. And one of the things that really stood out to me was their observance of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is observed by many Jews throughout Israel and certainly throughout the whole world. Uh, But in the city of Jerusalem, it's observed on a whole other level. I remember that our guide described how it goes beyond just not working uh, during that period of time. It actually extends to not using electronic equipment, not driving vehicles, uh, and even cooking. So starting from early Friday afternoon, businesses, shops, and most restaurants actually begin to close. Public transportation, including buses and railways, don't run at all. One of the things that stood out to me the most was that there's even a portion of the city uh, where the roads get blockaded off. So like, if you don't observe the Sabbath, you're welcome to drive your own car. Or there's some taxis and things that still run. But there's a portion of the city in Jerusalem that they literally blockade the roads off. So you may uh, be driving, but you're not going to drive there. And I'm not trying to define what... Um, what this day of rest should look like for us. Rather, I'm just trying to describe the stark difference in perspective that they have for a day of rest versus uh, our Western mindset. Most of you here are too young to remember, but I remember, and I know many of you are old enough to remember, uh, when we still had blue laws in the United States. Uh, for those of you who don't know that what that is, blue laws limited what businesses could be open on Sunday, and even the ones that were allowed to be open, it said what products they were allowed and not allowed to sell. And the idea was that anything non-essential shouldn't take place during the observed Sabbath of the United States. The logic behind this is because that was the day of the week. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, that for us it's on Sunday, and the logic behind that is because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, and so our Western calendar made the made Sunday the Sabbath, uh, while Jews continue to observe it on Friday. And we're going to look at some of the specifics next week on like when it's observed and how it's observed, um, and also how we've pretty much totally reasoned or excused our way out of observing the Sabbath entirely. Um, And these reasons that have developed and the habits that have developed in our minds and in our culture are so ingrained in us, it's very difficult to break. Um, And most of the reasons and excuses I'll share are ones that I've been making up for myself, even as God's been working uh, this over with me, because I'm just, you know, I'm like, well, this is why I can't, or I could come up with this workaround or make it more convenient this way, and he keeps giving me all these reasons why my reasons aren't, aren't good enough. But like I said, we'll, we'll get into that next week. This morning, we're still concerned on getting our heart to the right place regarding Sabbath and rest. 
And my prayer is that this series will ignite a passion in our hearts that puts a longing desire in us for Sabbath rest. That it's not going to be a list of do's and don'ts or simply an obligation that must be fulfilled, but rather something very special that we get to do. A rest that God is calling us to join him in. A privilege and a blessing. A true Sabbath rest is an invitation to empty ourselves and fill ourselves at the same time. Sabbath allows us the chance to discover Jesus in the middle of our busyness. St. Augustine wrote these words. He said, Thou hast made us for thyself, and our souls are restless until they find their rest in thee. We will never understand the beauty of the rest God intended for us until we find it in him. There's a time to work and there is a time to rest. And Jesus saw that need even when it wasn't on the Sabbath. And the other two messages, I mentioned how the Pharisees and Sadducees on many occasions accused Jesus of being a Sabbath breaker. We know that that's not the case because Jesus never broke any laws. But they thought he was breaking the Sabbath, like I said, on, in different, different ways and different occasions. In the story that we're going to look at this morning, it's actually not the Sabbath day, but Jesus calls his disciples to rest. It never ceases to amaze me what God can show me in a passage that I have read and studied countless times when he has me looking at, at it from a different perspective. And I'm sure many of you have encountered the same thing in your uh, Bible study. Remember that that's the point of this morning's message, is to look at time and rest from a new perspective. So in Mark 6, 7 through 14, that's where we're going to start out this morning. You can turn your Bible there if you have it or your, your app. Jesus sends out his disciples to go out and minister on their own. And, and both of these accounts that we're going to look at this morning uh, are very familiar to most of us. Verse 7 says, He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them not to take, to take nothing uh, for their journey except a staff and no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed many with oil uh, who were sick and healed them. So there's many things that we could focus on in this passage. But I simply want to point out that Jesus asked his disciples to go to work. He sent them out to do the work of the kingdom. Now we're going to take a look at what happened when they returned from doing the work that he sent them to do. And this is where I saw something uh, that just had never stood out to me before. It's in Mark 6, verse 30 through 44. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus, and they told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So they came back from their work, and Jesus said, You all need to go away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest. It goes on to say they didn't even have enough of a break to eat. Have, it, have any of you ever experienced that? I've had that many times 
in my life. Breakfast comes and goes. Lunch comes and goes. Dinner comes and goes. And on many of those days, like, you don't even realize it. You get to the end of the day, and it's in looking back that you're like, I don't think I even ate today. You know, there, there, was, there was no time to stop. There was no time for a break. There was no time even to eat. So this is where the disciples found themselves. There was not even long enough of a moment for them to find a break to eat. And Jesus said, you need to go away and rest. Now, verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him. So the disciples had been sent away to rest, and Jesus, while they were gone, saw the crowd, had compassion on them, and began to teach them many things, it says. But don't miss this point. Jesus covered for the disciples while they were gone resting. Jesus provided. Jesus took care of what needed to be taken care of while they rested. One of our, and and I'll change that to my, because I know I'm very guilty of this, but one of my biggest hang-ups on resting is that there's just too much to be done. If I don't do it, who will? If I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And it needs to be done. And even if I do it, there's going to be more to be done. And I'm not going to get to that, so I've just got to keep going. So there's never a time to rest. But when we take a rest that God sends us on, And the Sabbath day is a rest that he has sent us on and called us to. When we do that, he'll cover for us. He will make sure the things that need to be taken care of are taken care of. We don't know how long they rested or how long they were gone, but we know they were gone. And they went away to a desolate place and they rested And it says it had grown late in the day by the time they had come back. And we're going to pick up there. And it says the disciples said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Jesus, send all these people away. Let them go find something to eat on their own. And look at what Jesus' answer was. You give them something to eat. Did you catch that? Jesus is telling them you rested, you worked, You rested, now get back to work. You give them something to eat. And here was their answer. They said, shall we go out and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And I've heard messages on this before and studied this before where they, like that amount of money would have bought enough for maybe everybody to have gotten a bite of food. It wouldn't have filled everybody. It wouldn't have given them enough to be fed. It would just have given them a bite. And they're just like, come on, Jesus, what do you expect us to do. And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, We've got five loaves of bread and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Can you imagine you take two fish divided by twelve guys, and they literally are walking out with a shred of fish and a chunk of bread. 
And as they go out, God multiplies it and multiplies it till they have baskets of food left over. And we know that it says 5,000 men. So, you know, there was a woman for every one of those men and one, two, three children. We're talking 15 to 20,000 people that they fed. And they didn't just get a bite. They got fed to the full and had leftovers. So the disciples were working and they needed a rest. So Jesus had them rest and then it was time to get back to work when they got back. This is the rhythm of our lives. This is the way that God created us to to function. Not just to function, but to be fulfilled. If we don't do anything, if we don't have a purpose, we're as empty as we are as if we're overworking and never resting. We need both. And God knew that and understood that. And that's why he set this pattern out for us. And as I mentioned, Jesus covered for them while they were resting. When they got back, he didn't just ask them to get back to work. He asked them to do the impossible. Can you imagine if before he had sent them off to rest, he said, by the way, guys, when you get back, you're going to have to feed 20,000 people. How much rest would they have gotten? (laughs) Zero. They wouldn't have even gone. I gotta get, we gotta get ready, guys. We gotta go, you know, earn some more money. We don't got enough money. We don't have enough food. We get, you know, maybe people give us donations. I don't know. Let's figure this out. And they could have worked and worked and worked in all the time that they have and they could not have come up with enough food to feed those people. And they wouldn't have rested. But Jesus, called them to rest. And he said, you go and rest. You do what I've asked you to do. And when you get back, you're going to be ready to do what I've called you to do. You'll be clear enough to hear what I'm saying. When we work and work and run, we miss what God's trying to tell us. We don't even hear his voice because we're too busy. And he won't interrupt us. He'll just let us go and say, I'll wait. I'll wait till you're ready to rest, to listen, to go to a desolate place and be quiet and come back ready to hear what I have to say. Until then, just keep plugging away. So he asked them to do this impossible task. But Jesus and his Father provided. And he didn't just provide enough for the need. He provided above and beyond the need. And God took care of all the details. God took care of the impossible while the disciples rested. I mentioned earlier that we need a new perspective on time. On time and rest. Did you know that the Greeks had two different words for time? And that both of those words are found in the New Testament. The Greeks saw that time had two faces, two natures. The first word is the one that we tend uh, to think of uh, when we associate it with time. And it's the word chronos. And this word is the word that in our English dictionary we would get words like chronology and chronicle and chronic. It's the time of the clock and the calendar. And it's of chronos time that Geoffrey Chaucer wrote... Time and tide wait for no man. Kronos was the name of a minor Greek god. 
He was a glutton and a cannibal who ate his own children. That was, that was this God that they had created. He was all-consuming, but he was never satisfied. As much as we may wish to, we can't pause time. We can't stop time. We can't reverse time. It just keeps moving forward. It just keeps consuming. That's chronos time. When the word chronos is used in the Bible, it refers to a specific time, whether long or short, a time on the clock, a time on the calendar. One example of where it was used by Jesus is John 14:9, And it says, Jesus said to him, and he was talking to Philip, he said, Have I been with you so long, and that so long is chronos, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus was saying, I have been with you so long, so many days, so many weeks, so many months, so many years, and you still don't know me. We've had a lot of time together. But there was another word for time, and this word, like I said, is also found in the New Testament. This word is the word kairos. This time is a gift or an opportunity. It's time with a purpose. It's a set or proper time. Time in due season. The right time. If we think about things in Kronos time, we would ask the question, what time is it? But if we are thinking in Kairos time, we would say, what is this time for? What has God appointed this time for? If we can set aside some time, some Kairos time, sanctified time, set apart time, Sabbath time, we may just start to experience the sacred in the middle of the common. We might see God in the simplest of things, in the smallest of moments, that we would simply miss if we're merely running along in Kronos time. One example of Kairos in the New Testament is found in Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 16, and it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. That's Kairos time, because the days are evil. Redeeming the time for a purpose. Setting it apart, sanctifying the moment for a purpose. This may surprise you, but I've certainly found it to be true in my life, and that's that one of the largest obstacles we face when attempting to truly keep Sabbath rest is leisure time, or what we would call leisure time. We eagerly wait for the end of a work day or the end of a work week so we can escape. We see work as just an interruption to our real life. We look forward to a vacation, you know, one week away, two weeks away in a year. But leisure is what Sabbath or true rest becomes when we no longer know how to sanctify our time or set apart our time for the true rest that God calls us to. Leisure is Sabbath minus the sacred, minus the presence of God. It's a vacation. That word vacation literally means to vacate or evacuate. Our leisure apart from God can actually enslave us and exhaust us and demand more of us than it will ever get back. I know we all have a testimony of coming back from a vacation more tired than we were and more exhausted than we were than before we left. 
Sometimes we may even come back depressed because we didn't get what we thought we would out of it. When we look to a weekend or a vacation as an escape, we're attempting to change our life by changing our circumstances. But God is more interested in changing our heart than in changing our circumstances. Setting apart a time to spend with God adds richness to all time. We can come away from Sabbath filled, not depleted. Isaiah 30, verses 15 through 17 says, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning to me and resting in me, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trusting confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. Look at that promise from God. If you will return to me and rest in me, you will be saved. In quietness and trusting confidence, you will find your strength in me. But look at the sad response to those words. You would not. And it actually gets worse in the following verse, 16. You said no. We will speed our own course on horses. Therefore, you will speed in flight from your enemies. You said we will ride upon swift steeds doing our own way. Therefore, will they who pursue you be swift? So swift, one thousand of you will flee at the threat of one of them. At the threat of five, you will flee. God said because they refused to return to Him and rest in Him and rather chose to run away from Him, And all their problems. Basically, they were just wanting to change their own circumstances. Vacate them. Evacuate them. Rather than invite Him into them. Rather than find rest and strength that He promised, they would fall. They would be overwhelmed. So much so that a thousand would flee at one and the entire nation would flee at five. Our typical solution to threats or burdens is to run away. We've all heard of that flight or fight. And most of the time we choose to flight, to evacuate. We think if we can just get away, then we'll be safe. Then I can enjoy my life. But flight can become a captivity of its own. Once we begin to flee threats and burdens, there's never an end to the fleeing. God's solution to our problem just doesn't make sense. He calls us to rest in the middle of it. Our only solution, the only thing that would make sense when we're overwhelmed with work is to work harder. Yet God says, no, take a break. Rest in me. Come to me. Find your strength in me. But it's a completely different kind of rest than what we would normally think. It's rest in Him. In the middle of the threat. In the middle of the burden. In the middle of all the work that needs to be done. And it's coming to the realization that David did in the Psalms that God is our rock and refuge in the middle of the situation that we're dealing with. God offers us something better than our fantasy of escape. He offers us Himself. Psalm 23, 1-3 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
I didn't mention this in the first service, but I actually just kind of tied the two things together um, in worship and reading it again for the, for the second time. Did y'all catch when Jesus was feeding the 5,000, it says he had them sit down in the green grass? Jesus had them sit down and rest and said, don't worry about it. I'm going to provide. God is going to provide enough food for all of you. And in Psalms, David had said, he, he will make you lie down in green pastures. He will lead you beside still waters. He will restore your soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I don't know about you, but for me, just reading this is like a breath of fresh air. And letting it sink in begins to refresh and restore my soul and my spirit. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He will take our burdens and give us rest for our souls. Remember what we read in Isaiah 30, if you will return to me and rest in me, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trusting confidence, I'll give you strength. What makes Sabbath time different from all other time? It's a shift in our thinking. An altering of our attitude. Realizing that God is calling us away to rest with Him. To take a break in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of our overwhelmed lives and work. But He calls us to rest with a promise. He says, if you do it the way I ask you to, I'll cover for you. I'll do the work that needs to be done while you're gone. And when you come back, you may hear me clear enough that I'll do the miraculous through the work that you do that will follow. He just says, trust me. Before we can ever keep the Sabbath, we will have to cultivate a Sabbath heart. And the only one that can do that is God Himself through the Holy Spirit transforming our life, transforming our heart, transforming our mind as He reveals this truth to us. Will you bow your head with me as we close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank You. We thank You that You sent the Holy Spirit that Your Word, that Jesus Christ said He would send Him to us and that He would lead and guide us into all truth. And I just pray that every heart, every mind, including my own, would be open to hear the voice of Your Holy Spirit this morning. That we would hear what You're speaking, the part of, of this Word, Your Word, that we need to, that You need to touch, that You need to change, that You need to transform in our life to draw us closer to You and to make us more like Your Son, Jesus Christ. Change our heart. Let us find true rest in the arms of Jesus Christ. That we could come to Him. Every one of us. Everyone that is tired and exhausted and wearied. And Jesus will give us rest. And that we would honor the time that You have set apart and sanctified for rest. Kairos time. Time with a purpose. We ask this in the name of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's an amazing thing that in the middle of all our chronos life, where we're just trying to keep up and get ahead and just trying to get things done, in the middle of that, you can experience Kairos timing. 
It's kind of like saying you can't tithe while you're getting out of debt. You, you can and you better. That money that we set aside to give to God, he promised he would bless the rest that we have. It's the same concept. Give God that time and he will bless the rest that you have and make it more beneficial, more profitable. It's better. It's better. Father God, thank you that in the middle of our lives, in the busy taking care of business, everyday walk-a-day life, Father God, you can show up and in the middle of it, show us the season that we're in and bless it. Father God, help us see that the more we give you, the more we don't have to do, the more you will take care of and you'll bless the rest. Lord, show us what we need to set aside. Lord, show us what we need to give you. Lord, show us what we need to let go of because you can take care of it better than we ever could. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just a few quick announcements for you. We were able to bless with your generosity and God's blessing on your lives the New Beginnings of Restoration and Hope here in Lampasas with like $2,200. They, they were super blessed. And, and y'all's generation, it was 2400 looking at my notes, $2,400, that's even better. They were so blessed by y'all's generosity. 20 of you still have baby bottles. So that we're going to bless them even more because I know when you bring those back that, you know, that could be like $2,000 more, just doing some quick math, right? So we have a list, and I'm not going to read it, but we know who you are. Bring the baby bottles back. They need those to do other fundraisers and, and, and things for themselves, so... Bring the baby bottles back, whether you're finished or not, you're, you're finished. So let's, let's, let's bring their baby bottles back. Hey, next Friday on the 16th from 7 to 9 p.m., Hannah Springs Pool, you got free admission to the pool. We're getting you free food. You get to fellowship with one another and have a good time together. So that, that's like the best thing in summer. It's going to be cool because there's water, there's free food, there's free admission. What else could you ask for? Time with each other. It's going to be great. God's going to bless that too. Tonight. We're not going to have youth. They're finished with spring hoe, and they need to recuperate. So if your kids say, I'm going to youth tonight, they're not. We're not having youth here. See which church they're going to, all right? Thank you all for coming. Be blessed and have a great week together. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 